Technology seems to be on everyone's mind these days, and with good reason, since much of it can be game-changing, particularly in the manufacturing sector. Companies developing and marketing CRM and ERP systems are very excited about the capabilities of their technology. But what do the end users actually think about this stuff? Is it working? Are employees accepting it? And are there solid KPIs by which to judge it? I'm Chris Henry, and this is Ahead of the Curve, the podcast about technology's role in manufacturing, produced by Jaren, a leading provider of Salesforce solutions. Well, today we're going directly to the horse's mouth, so to speak, and find out how effective technology really is at the manufacturing level. Our guest is Tim Gollin, the former global CEO of Arc International, a French manufacturer of glass and tableware sold around the world. Arc has production facilities in the US, the UAE, China, and Russia. When he ran Arc International, Tim led a project to implement Salesforce CRM across the company's global operations. And along the way, he formed some strong views about technology and how it should be applied. He believes, for example, that the vast array of available technology is confusing many manufacturing organizations to the extent that they're losing sight of why they ought to embrace it. Well, there's so many kinds of technology available today, and it comes in so many shapes and forms and deployment methods that it's really hard for people to know where to start. And one of the problems you hear about is, you know, you're being always being sold a new fad in technology, whether it's, you know, Enterprise 4.0 or whatever. And the question is that with all of the these great resources available, you sort of have to come back to earth and say, okay, what does my enterprise really need? And that's where guys tend to have problems because the set of cool looking slides that software vendors will show you and what you can get out of your enterprise often neglects the root thing that you need to pay attention to, which is what, what your employees need. And a lot of software is about solving problems at the C-level when the real problems have to be solved in the value stream itself. And what you really need to be doing is talking to people who are acting and interacting with customers and with whatever your value stream process is in order to figure out how to do that better rather than figuring out how to provide analytics about why it wasn't done well to begin with. And so the right place to start when you're thinking about technology is really with the problems that your employees are facing in the value stream every day. And whether that is a simple problem, like how do I manage my accounts payable process? How do I count inventory better? How do I create a quality action? A lot of what I think works is bringing together small scale solutions to solve unique problems that people in your value stream face. Because today, what you can do is connect all of those solutions through the cloud to create data that's actually useful to you. And if you think about management needs last and value stream needs first, then you'll spend a whole lot more time focusing on solving real world problems that create immediate results rather than theoretical issues that are solved by a color screen with a lot of grass on it. Companies often wage an internal struggle between sales teams demanding more or different product to sell and the factory floor trying to keep up. In other words, a conflict between demand forecasting and production planning. Well, the, usually where the, where the rubber always hits the road in manufacturing organizations is the, the conflict between the sales organization on the one hand and the manufacturing organization on the other. 
salespeople always say that they can't sell from an empty cart and they don't have the products that they need in order to be able to sell. And, and manufacturing guys always say, you just want what you don't have. And moderating between these two has been and continues to be the main problem in manufacturing businesses generally. Why? Manufacturing is generally less flexible than market demand. The market wants orange today and manufacturing is set up to make purple. The quantity of purple that the market wants is unknown. So the tendency for manufacturing is always to overproduce because they know they'll get yelled at by sales if they don't have enough. And the problem with the excess purple inventory will be dealt with the you know next year. The problem for the sales force is to justify why they're not hitting their numbers or why they are not able to sell at a profitable margin. And they're always looking for something a little bit better. And market demand shifts faster than manufacturing capabilities can keep up with it. So a real place where there's an interface is between demand forecasting and production planning. And that's usually the place that you most see conflict and difficulty in manufacturing organizations. And depending on the style of the organization, sometimes that's won by the sales force and the manufacturing people are always beaten senseless. And sometimes it's won by the manufacturing people and the salespeople are just to go, uh, told to go and sell whatever the manufacturers are making. Figuring out how to do that better with a, a more empowered model for the sales force and a more demand responsive model for the manufacturing force is really the task of the next 20 years, I think, for, hmm. for enterprises, especially in manufacturing. A big challenge for manufacturers is that customers are far more demanding now. They've come to know how technology delivers more, faster in their personal lives, and they want the same sorts of results from their suppliers. Do manufacturers get this, that the customer has changed? Well, of course they do, but that doesn't mean that their process is more flexible. And so that's always the challenge is how do you adapt processes which are necessarily set up to, to be relatively inflexible to the changing demands of the market? It's very easy to say, well, the customer's always right and the customer gets what he wants and so on and so forth. But if you're actually running a manufacturing business, you say, yeah, 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 I hear you, but I've still got to change over, over time on this process. I still have quality issues I've got to solve, but I can't uh, solve until my process is stable. I've got training issues with my employees. The idea of a perfect world where we're essentially just you know, making widgets and we can make a purple widget as easily as an orange widget and ship it tomorrow, we haven't really reached that because it's really, really hard to do. It turns out that manufacturing is a business that scales and delivers value with experience. And every time you change what you're making, uh, you have a new learning process. Every time you need to change from one product to another, you have disruption. And so the question is really, how do you intermediate between these two things in ways that are sensitive to the needs of the sales force on the one hand, and therefore, by extension, the needs of the market. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, don't pound you into a position where you're not competitive from a manufacturing cost point of view, because the sales guys tend to be very insensitive to that. And again, the issue tends to be in traditional enterprises that the sales force doesn't own the inventory and the sales force therefore wants everything. And the manufacturing guys are stuck with whatever the overproduction is. It becomes their fault. And the issue of minimum lot size, on the other hand, is owned by the manufacturing people and not by the salespeople, which means that the salespeople can't demand something in a small production run because even though they'd be willing to pay a premium for it in small quantities. And that inability to communicate kind of market needs to the manufacturing force to find kind of creative solutions is one of the things that plagues the enterprise. And the traditional solutions built by the SAPs and Oracles 
really don't address that because they look at the enterprise as being essentially a push model of making production, which is then to be sold by a sales force. Mm-hmm. And the decisions on what to make are made by an executive in consultation with his manufacturing team, as opposed to being responsive to market needs and to sales needs, which is really how you have to go in a, in a more flexible world. Another area capable of producing significant angst centers on business policy. Tim Gollan is emphatic that a company's technology purchase must be a match for its business policy. Get that right, and the technology can be an enormous assist in process improvement. If you're, if you're buying a technology solution, but you don't know what your policy is, you're going to be badly surprised. You know, it's a, if you don't know what your policy is, then the, then the technology provider is going to plan it for you. And the advantage of packages like Salesforce and similar products, especially SaaS-based models, is that you have the ability to take their basic erector kit and modify it and connect it to your data systems in ways that are constructive for you and enable you to kind of hardwire their kit to your business needs and your value streams. And that can be hugely useful because in the process of doing that, a good implementation team will get you to document those processes and make sure that they're part of the documentation that comes along with the technology implementation. And I think that one of the things that drives a good implementation is the need to do the value stream map in parallel with the business process map. The thing you don't want to do, of course, is just call up your Salesforce implementation guy and say, well, what do you want? How do you do it? Because they don't know. They don't know your business. So there's no substitute whether you're doing lean or you're doing value stream mapping or whether you're doing technology implementation for saying, okay, the first job we have is to figure out what our best process, what, what our process does and figure out how we can use technology to make it better. So technology becomes, and, and implementation becomes part of the Kaizen toolkit. When you do a Kaizen project on a value stream, you're trying to figure out how do I use technology as well as, you know, scotch tape and post-it notes and whatever else is available in order to create an improved process and document it. And I think that's really what the promise of tools like Salesforce offer when they're used in combination with a sensible implementation that maps well to the needs that you have on your shop floor, whether that's your office or your factory. So if the challenge is how to successfully marry technology with process and live happily ever after, what's the strategy to make that happen? I mean, the workaround is is C-suite executives have to give up the idea that they're going to find a perfect solution out of the box. And whenever the software guy comes peddling a perfect solution, you have to say, okay, what is it going to take you to implement? And why am I the right person to make the decision? And so a lot of what's involved is really pushing it down to employees in the organization to make their own decisions and recommend what they think works for them. You know, when I was running a business with about 10,000 employees in five different countries, um, the Salesforce and our group in France came to me and said, we want a CRM solution. And I said, like, what is that? I mean, it's just like basically a big address book. And they said, no, 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 we don't have a way of communicating between our salespeople. And we don't have a way of establishing what our priorities are or combining leads or combining a lot, a lot of stuff that to me seemed unhelpful. But the point was they were the people facing the pain and they were the people looking for the solution. And because the internet is so searchable today, and because people have so many different ideas of what they need, and people are in your value streams are way better educated on what tools are out there than they were, say, 20 years ago, a lot of the job is letting people who are out there 
talk about what their needs are rather than having you tell them, well, I think you need this. And that comes with difficulty to people who, who are hired essentially to be executive. But the whole question is, what do you need to do to support your organization and make their work easier and make them more efficient? So my guys came to me and, and said, we want Salesforce. And I was like, uh, really? And they made the case to me why it was going to be useful. When I sat through a few of the Salesforce implementation, we went for it. I trusted them. I said, okay, this is what you guys want. It fits in your budget. We're going to go ahead and do it. And I was convinced as I went through the implementation classes that this was the right thing to do. I hadn't been convinced previously because I hadn't seen what the benefit would be for me. But if you can get out of yourself for a minute and just say, hey, what is going to be the benefit in the value stream to making people's workday easier so they can be more productive and more efficient? and let them drive the choice, they're usually gonna make good choices if they're given the right support to, uh, and the right inputs to help them make those choices. Mm-hmm. I mean, it might not have been Salesforce that our guys chose. As it happened, we did because it fit well with our other IT solutions, with our, our cloud needs, and the way we were planning to reconfigure the enterprise overall. But when you find the right solution, the point is, it doesn't have to come from the executive suite or from your CTO or from anywhere in the organization, it could come from people who are close to the process itself because they're the ones who are going to be able to make the best analysis what they need, maybe with that, a little bit of support. Yeah, that, that's very much a lean management uh, approach, isn't it? It's completely lean. I, I think if you come from a lean background and you've grown up in lean, you're profoundly suspicious of buying solutions to problems that you encounter in your, in your workplace because other people who are external don't have the problem, and so they can't possibly have the solution. And the tendency for, you know, historically was to buy an IT solution, which is just like buying a big piece of equipment. And, you know, the big piece of equipment is supposed to do 17 operations, which will replace 23 people on four shifts. That's huge savings, but it never does because it's inflexible, it's not adaptable, it's not customizable. And I think what's really changing when you start looking at lean implementations, you say, okay, I'm no longer buying a piece of software, I'm buying a toolkit. And the toolkit will give me specific things I can connect to. So there is no like pre-canned enterprise 4.0 solution for the workplace. There's no 4.0 anything. What there are are a whole lot of tools that are much more connectable than anything has been in the past and which you can find on an ad hoc basis, which is why a really important thing in any Kaizen project, when you're forming your Kaizen teams, and typically when I've done them, you've had Half the people would be operating people who are involved in the value stream, and half the people are support people who are there to support them and help them with their transformation process. What you want is an IT person to be there, because the IT guy, properly knowledgeable about what resources are out there, can say, hey, how about this widget? How about this thing? It doesn't need to be big system improvements. What it needs to be is little things that can connect back to you know, maybe a central data architecture. The person in the value stream may, may not care about the central data architecture, but we'll care a lot about what the individual tool will do. And today, because things are connectable and so easily connectable, the IT person will know that, okay, we have access to this data here, that data there. We are going to centralize it, warehouse it in in these ways. We're going to provide flow for the data across the enterprise in this way. We're going to make it standardized and common to different people operating similar processes, different plants this way. But that doesn't need to be in the face of the people who are doing the Kaizen exercise. What they need to know is, I need a, a hammer. I need a, a screen. And the IT person there is there to say, okay, I can provide that screen. I can provide the hammer. When Tim was global CEO of Arc International, he led a successful implementation of Salesforce throughout the company. 
So I asked him what it was the firm saw in Salesforce that it didn't see in any other CRM provider. Well, you know, at some point it becomes a price and value issue and also a question of what your team wants. So as I mentioned earlier, the first thing was my team wanted Salesforce. And when I asked them what comparison they've done against others, they said, well, really, the others are, are good, but they don't provide as complete a set of options as, as we would like. So I was, you know, predictably skeptical because that's sort of sort of my job. And I said, well, like, show me. So they, they showed me their matrix map of what features they wanted and what Salesforce could do. And then the IT guys came in and said, did the same thing. And bottom line was Salesforce was a bit more expensive than the other options but it provided a much richer feature set and the connectability of Salesforce to these widgets that you need in the value stream was way better. I also felt that many of the other implementations were leading to a more limited set of functionality. For example, they were primarily just CRM functions. Salesforce clearly has a vision that's a lot bigger for the, their role in the enterprise. And as they continue to grow and scale what they do, you can see that they're moving in the direction of becoming a front end for manufacturing organizations. Front end, what does that mean? The way that you are going to interact with your customers, whether it's online or e-commerce, your pricing systems, your quotation tools, all of the things you need to create a clear image of what demand is for your manufacturer. And why that's important is because historically, if you used a, uh, an old line ERP system, Essentially, your sales forecast was loaded from the manufacturing point of view. They would get the sales guys to say what they thought, thought they could sell, and then that would then be used to drive a long-term manufacturing forecasting platform, and that was that. With Salesforce, I think the possibility exists to create a much better way of transferring data from your sales front end into your manufacturing planning function. And as we try all of us to make businesses which are more responsive to customer demand rather than manufacturing needs, then what's going to happen is the importance of getting timely live data about what's happening in the market is going to increase. And as that happens, you need the most robust tool possible for bringing and consolidating that data in ways that can feed your uh, manufacturing process. Not to create charts for managers because those are useless. By the time you get them, they're already history. Yeah. But to create real-time signals to what you should make tomorrow. And I think that's the real benefit of the Salesforce platform is it provides you such a rich set of tools for doing that and so much connectivity to other tools. The charts and charts and reports for management are a record of the past. And all they enable you to do is generally do uh, post-mortems on the decisions that were made far enough in the, in the past that you can't fix them. What you really want is stuff that's predictive. But predictive is hard because it means kind of reading tea leaves and guessing the future. So at the end, you're left with what's happening right now and what do I need to do right now in order to make the world a better place, to make better balance the needs of my customers with the capabilities of my manufacturing platform. That's essentially why you want live data. Well, let me ask you to read some tea leaves now in a final question. Where do you see manufacturing going in conjunction with technology in the next five, 10 years? Oh gosh, that's a, a huge question. But what you could say generally is that revolutions never happen. Stuff is incremental. And in, in manufacturing worlds especially where only a small portion of capital expenditure can get plowed into technology initiatives. And most stuff that gets made in the factory is gonna be made much the way it was made last year and the year before because 
radical change in factories just takes a while to happen. Sure, there's going to be implementation of robotics, but it's going to be selective because robots don't work in lots of stuff. Sure, there's going to be much more IoT stuff going on in the factory floor because acquisition of data is important. Equally important is going to be enabling the people who run those processes to do them better by providing them better information. A lot of what's going to happen is going to happen on employee smartphones because it's like putting a supercomputer in everybody's pocket. And the distribution of computing power means also the, the distribution of real-time information about what's going on. So a lot of the stuff that I think is going to happen is going to wind up relating more to small tools made useful to the individual who has a task to carry out and much less to big technology initiatives that are going to require huge investment and uh, in technology per se, when that money can be better spent on making better products for customers. So what you can say is, sure, is there going to be a continued move to shorter lead times, a demand for faster product cycles, a demand for higher quality, a demand for more responsive manufacturing? Of course. Are those tools going to require a radical reshaping of the industrial footprint of, uh, of the world? Probably not, because that won't happen. There's not enough money to make it happen. What will happen is the old stuff of continuous improvement and gradual incremental improvements to respond better to the market and to respond to competitive factors in the marketplace. As your competitor gets better at being adaptive, you have to as well. And I think that's what we're going to see. So you'll see people trying to figure out how do we understand the needs of a customer better and how do we communicate that more effectively and create more accountability from our, our sales force when it comes time to putting those demands to the manufacturing section of the business? And how do we better integrate our sales teams with our manufacturing teams? So instead of being siloed in a manufacturing area or a sales area, we have a team that works fluidly to create many businesses inside the larger enterprise, which are really focused on creating value streams for the benefit of customers and of course all, all other stakeholders in the enterprise. And that also has the promise of being much more rewarding for the people who are in those value streams. People who are uniquely working in a manufacturing plant to perform a specific function and are never asked how they could make that better or how they could respond to a customer demand for a feature or a change, that's really a huge lost opportunity. And the opportunity which is out there is to figure out how to integrate that all of the knowledge along the value stream into creating better value for customers. CRM technology holds a great deal of promise and offers solutions to real problems that manufacturers face every day. But Tim Gollan would be the first to say, proceed with caution and don't get caught up in the hype surrounding this digital revolution we find ourselves in. Take a step-by-step -step approach. Introduce the technology gradually and make sure it's empowering employees rather than overpowering them. That's why Tim reminds us that the problems that need solving are in the value stream and not in the C-suites. Well, we'd like to thank Tim Gollan for being our guest and you for listening. Ahead of the Curve is produced by Gerund in cooperation with Salesforce. Our technical producer is Dave Grine from the Acme Podcasting Company in Toronto. I'm Chris Henry. We'll see you next time.